This is AFF On Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast, bringing you the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. G'day and welcome to episode 50 of AFF On Air. Yep, episode 50, can you believe it? I'm Matt Graham and it's Saturday the 28th of November 2020. Next week will mark the end of an era as St George becomes the final major Australian bank to stop awarding points for credit card payments to the Australian tax office. But rather than commiserating the end of this loophole, in this episode we'll celebrate the opportunities that have arisen since the tax office started accepting credit card payments back in 2009. Later in this episode, I'll speak to an Australian frequent flyer member who's managed to accrue around 100 million frequent flyer points, yes you heard right, by paying his taxes by credit card over the past 11 years. And I'll also explain how you can continue to earn points for paying tax going forward, even after St George stops awarding points on government payments on the 9th of December. That's coming up, but first, here's what's making news in the world of airlines and frequent flyer programs this fortnight. And firstly, Virgin Australia has finally exited voluntary administration. All shares in Virgin Australia were transferred to the new owner Bain Capital last week, and shortly afterwards Richard Branson's Virgin Group purchased a 5% stake of that, meaning that Virgin is now 95% owned by Bain Capital, a US private equity firm, and 5% owned by the Virgin Group. As Virgin came out of administration, Paul Scarra also stepped down as CEO. Having been the face of Virgin Australia for the past 18 months or so, Mr. Scarra has been replaced by former Jetstar CEO Jane Hurdlicker. Last week, we also learned more about the Virgin Australia's plans for the future, including what they have in store with their lounges and their new business class product, and I'll have more on this later in the episode. Qantas Frequent Flyer is giving most silver, gold, platinum and platinum one members living in Australia or New Zealand the opportunity to extend their status for a second year by booking just one Qantas flight. Qantas already extended everyone's status for 12 months this year due to the pandemic, but with this new offer, Qantas Frequent Flyer members whose current status is due to expire between March and December 2021 will have their status automatically extended until 2022. If they book a new Qantas flight between the 23rd of November this year and the end of their current membership year, Qantas Classic flight reward tickets and Jetstar flights within New Zealand as well as Jetstar Asia and Jetstar Japan flights will also count towards this. Meanwhile, Qantas frequent flyer members that don't live in Australia or New Zealand, with membership years ending between March and December next year, will have their status extended automatically by a second year without the need to book any new flights. A limited number of status credits earned during the current membership year will also be rolled into next year's tally for eligible members. And in a surprise twist, Qantas Frequent Flyer also announced this week a status match. If you have the equivalent of gold or higher status with Virgin Australia, so that would be gold or platinum velocity status, or gold or higher status with one of 15 nominated other international airlines, you can now apply to get a status match to Qantas Gold. If you're successful, you'll receive the benefits of Qantas Gold status for three months, and then you would need to earn 100 status credits within those three months to keep your status for at least another year. And those status credits can be earned not only on Qantas flights, but on any partner airline flights that are eligible to uh, to earn status credits, or even on the ground with some of the current partner offers. And for more information about either of those offers, head to australianfrequentflyer.com.au or you'll find links to our guides in the episode notes for this podcast. 
There's also been some more good news this fortnight around the reopening of state borders despite a new and small COVID-19 outbreak in Adelaide. From next Tuesday, all of New South Wales and Victoria will be permitted to travel to Queensland again. South Australia will also reopen to Victoria on the same day. Tasmania reopened to Victoria yesterday, and New South Wales and the ACT welcomed back travellers from Victoria last Monday. New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian said on Monday that she hoped the border between New South Wales and Victoria would never ever need to be closed again in her lifetime, and I think we can all agree with that. Velocity Frequent Flyer is discontinuing its travel money card, Velocity Global Wallet. This is the Visa debit card that's found on the back of most Velocity Frequent Flyer membership cards. From the end of this year, you'll no longer be able to load money onto your Velocity Global Wallet card. And from then, there'll also be a gradual winding down of the product until its eventual closure in mid-2021. From the 1st of February 2021, you'll no longer be able to earn Velocity points for purchases made on the card, and Velocity will no longer be associated with the product from this date. And from the 1st of February, there'll also be a new $2 fee for ATM withdrawals and balance inquiries, and a $10 fee to to redeem any funds held on the card. So if you currently have funds stored in a Velocity Global Wallet card, make sure that you do spend that amount or withdraw your money by the 31st of January next year. Air Canada relaunched its Aeroplan loyalty program earlier this month. Key changes to the Aeroplan program include new award charts, the removal of fuel surcharges, and Aeroplan miles have been renamed to Aeroplan points. With the new award charts, most of the award prices are slightly higher than before, and Air Canada award flights now use dynamic pricing, but partner awards still have that fixed price, and in lieu of the fuel surcharges being removed, there's now just a $39 Canadian dollar partner airline award booking fee. With the new program, stopovers can now be added to most one-way itineraries for 5,000 points, And the award routing rules are in in general a lot more flexible. So there's actually quite a lot to like about this new program. Flybys has removed the annual limit to the number of points that could be transferred to Velocity Frequent Flyer. Until now, there's been an annual transfer limit of 138,000 Velocity points per calendar year, which is worth 60,030 Velocity points. This annual limit is now gone, which is great news for Flybys and Velocity members. Qantas Frequent Flyer will launch a wide-ranging partnership with Accor Live Limitless, or ALL, which is the loyalty program of Accor Hotels. Launching mid-next year, Qantas and Accor ALL members will be able to earn points with both programs whenever they fly with Qantas or stay at an Accor hotel in the Asia-Pacific region. Qantas says its deeper partnership with Accor will also provide members of both loyalty programs with more opportunities to redeem points, and there'll be exclusive benefits for top-tier members of both programs. That could include extra benefits for Qantas Silver, Gold, Platinum and Platinum One members when staying at Accor Hotels or vice versa. And if you have an ANZ Rewards Travel Adventures credit card, a quick reminder that Monday is the last day to redeem your complimentary Virgin Australia domestic flight and lounge passes before ANZ withdraws this benefit. Uh, The call centre is closed on the weekend, so you really do just have Monday, and I recommend calling early because on Friday, so yesterday, the wait times at the call centre were up to three hours long. 
That's what's making news this fortnight on Australian Frequent Flyer. For more regular news updates and deals, subscribe to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette or follow us on Facebook. After Virgin Australia exited voluntary administration last week, we finally learned a bit more about the direction the airline is heading in. After months of uncertainty, unfortunately there are still a lot of unknowns. But we do know some things, and it's now quite clear that the Virgin Australia that we knew and loved is not going to be the same in the future. The new CEO, Jane Hurdlicker, says that Virgin will neither be a full-service airline nor a low-cost airline, but something in the middle. In economy class, there'll be no more complimentary snacks or meals on board. Instead, all food will be buy on board. There will still be free water, tea and coffee, but you'll now need to pay for juice, soft drinks and alcoholic drinks. And no details have been released yet on the future of in-flight Wi-Fi, in-flight entertainment or checked baggage allowances. Although I do expect in the future that you're going to have to pay for Wi-Fi or checked luggage unless you have velocity status. Virgin has also announced it will relaunch its business class product early next year, which it says it will make more accessible and better aligned to the expectations of the cabin's core customers, whatever that means. Before it finalises the changes, the airline is now completing an end-to-end review of its business class product in collaboration with cabin crew. Now, we know that the actual business class seat on the Boeing 737 is not going to change um, much, if at all. The changes to Virgin's business class product are really going to be in the soft product. Now, I do expect that you're still going to get energetic cabin crews and things like priority boarding and and privacy on board. But I think um, there's going to be some reductions in the level of service, particularly when it comes to catering. That said, the business class fares may also be cheaper, so maybe it's not such a bad thing. We'll just have to wait and see for now. At the moment, Virgin is still just offering snack boxes in business class and no hot meals, but um, this this will remain the case for at least the rest of this year, but that will change once Virgin has relaunched its product. Now, when it comes to Virgin's lounges, though, there will be more cost-cutting. Last week, Virgin finally reopened its Brisbane Airport lounge after the entire lounge network was closed for eight months, but Virgin's other airport lounges all still remain closed. Virgin says it will reopen its lounges in Melbourne, Sydney, the Gold Coast, Perth Terminal 1 and in Adelaide in the coming months, but it hasn't given a timeline even when I specifically asked Virgin about this. We do know that the lounge in Adelaide, which was actually just recently refurbished, will open early next year, but that's all we know so far. Half of Virgin Australia's lounges will remain closed permanently. Virgin had already announced it's going to shut its lounges in Alice Springs, Wellington, New Zealand, and Terminal 2 of Perth Airport. Now it's also announced the closure, permanently, of lounges in Darwin, Cairns, and Mackay. And Virgin is still yet to decide whether to keep its lounge open in Canberra, which is quite frankly staggering given the importance of the market um, being Australia's capital city with lots of public servants and politicians and so on travelling around. If Virgin closes its Canberra lounge, it'll be left with just six airport lounges in the whole country, which is less than half of what it had before COVID-19. Now, at this point, it looks like they really are abandoning any hope of trying to retain the corporate market, something that Qantas is now taking advantage of by offering those status matches. For Virgin's sake, I really hope that all of these cost cut, uh, savings that they're getting from the ruthless cost-cutting exercise are going to be worth it. 
We'll no, we'll no doubt learn more about Virgin's future in early next year, but if you're currently a Velocity member and you are concerned about where the airline's headed, don't be afraid to take advantage of that current corner status match and head over to the dark side. Is your business looking to reach an engaged audience of frequent travellers? Opportunities are available to advertise on the AFF One Air podcast. If you would like to learn more about advertising on this podcast or on australianfrequentflyer.com.au, you can contact admin at australianfrequentflyer.com.au. Well, for our 50th episode, I wanted to share with you a great story that demonstrates just how valuable frequent flyer programs and credit cards can be. There is a reason I talk about this so much. In April 2009, the ATO, or the Australian Tax Office, began accepting payments by credit card for the first time. Now, this may seem like a small and insignificant detail, except that you can earn frequent flyer points when you're spending money on your credit card. So for the first time, this meant that you could be earning points towards flights and upgrades by simply paying tax bills that you needed to pay anyway. Now, the ATO does charge a small credit card surcharge, but in most cases, this payment fee was well worth it when you took into account the the points that could be earned. And in some cases, that card payment fee may even be tax deductible. Since 2009, though, Australian banks have gradually cracked down on this, changing their terms and conditions so that points were no longer earned for government payments. One by one, the banks have stopped awarding points for payments made to the tax office. And finally, next week, St George will become the final major bank in Australia to end this loophole. But many people have been making hay while the sun shines. One of those is the Australian frequent flyer member who goes by the handle Cove. Now, Cove has been a regular in AFF's tax office payments by credit card thread ever since it started more than a decade ago. And he's now really become the authority on AFF when it comes to earning points for paying tax. And Cove joins me now. Welcome to AFF On Air. Oh, hello, Matt. So... How many points do you think you've been able to earn by paying your tax bills? Um, the whole family would be close to a hundred million. Oh my goodness! So that's that's over about a decade, I suppose. But that's absolutely that's a really, uh, yes. Yeah. I, was, I was very very appreciative of JS starting the thread, uh, and it goes back to the time where you could have to pay you had to pay it in ten thousand dollar lots, um, and that. Uh, did subsequently change. Uh, the highest one I've ever paid was $1.3 million in a day. Um, it's not just the ATO that's been get, going through. It's been land tax, shire rates, water rates, uh, motor vehicle re- registrations, all those sorts of things. And um, uh, I, I don't get all of the points out of the business because I, I don't own all of uh, the company that I work in, um, so I've got partners, and uh, they've enjoyed the they've enjoyed the ride just as much as uh, we have. Uh, what it what it's meant for our family is um, uh, we've been able to fly uh, best available uh, for the last uh, eleven years, and uh, we've still got quite a few uh, points and miles stashed in. Um, uh, available. 
I guess for those who ha- maybe aren't familiar with how this all works, how exactly does it work? Right at the moment with uh, St George Amplify, uh, which I've always referred to in the thread as Dragon, uh, you fund the card. Uh, it's the Westpac computer at St George. Uh, it doesn't differentiate, so you can go hundreds of thousands of dollars in credit and then just go and pay any particular bill that you wish to pay. Now, if it's a government charge, um, they didn't dif- differentiate between a government charge and, say, a freight bill. Or a, so things that I've been able to pay on uh, St George Amplify have been payroll tax, land tax, water rates, ATO. There's a whole slew of government charges. I never bothered with uh, customs duty because it was a bit convoluted to do but I'm certain others were, were doing customs duties. Okay. Just just to clarify, you, you are involved in a business uh, where you've got to make these tax payments, so that's um, obviously where yes, you have to do this. And on top, on top of that, we, we do have to travel, or mm. we used to have to travel before the pandemic hit. Yes. So, um, so I'd be going, I was going to the US three times a year, um, and... Um, uh, right at the moment, I haven't been there for a year, so um, I'm uh, paying attention, but I, I don't have a death wish. I don't need to uh, go over and catch a coronavirus in an out-of-controlled uh, environment that the US is at the moment. No, I, I think a lot of Australians would share that sentiment at the moment. So <laughs> over, over the years, like, um, so you said you do several international trips a year. I guess all of those would be funded on points. Are there any particular favourite redemptions you've been able to book using points and oh, uh, for look, paying tax? Um, my wife originally had a bad experience with Singapore Airlines. So she, would basi- she was basically wearing Qantas undies. Now... Uh, I got her into sweets class on Singapore Airlines and her whole view of Singapore and Singapore Airlines completely changed. Mm-hmm. So uh, she was absolutely wowed by it, even though she doesn't drink champagne. Uh, she doesn't uh, uh, do vodka. She doesn't do caviar. She just loved the extra bit of room and the fun of being in row 1A in, the, uh, in that new Singapore Airlines suite. I don't think I've ever heard any complaints about Singapore Airlines suites class. <laughs> did you book that with Chris Flyer, Miles? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did that multiple times. And, and plus the old Singapore Airlines suites, I had no problem with that because what I'd do is I'd say to the um, flight attendant, do you mind making up a bed in another suite? So I'd uh, I'd sleep in one uh, of the suites, and I'd take, uh, I'd eat, I'd dine, and uh, read and watch TV on the other one. Oh, the luxury. And, uh, they had they had no issue with it. So over the last uh, yeah eleven years, while this has been going on, the banks, um, as I mentioned before, have kept changing their terms and conditions. Um, so I guess have you been caught out by any of these changes, and has it been hard to keep up? Um, look. Um, the, the the one that um, I got caught out on was using a US American Express card because they gave us a shocking exchange rate. Mm. Um, but look, it was only for $10,000 of ATO and it didn't really matter. But it, I did it as a trial and I went, ooh, never do that again. 
the other guys, you know, Citibank, Bankwest, uh, Westpac, Chris Flyer, um, they were all uh, they all worked, and uh, they look. Some of these things just progressively got shut down, and I always watched the date that they were shutting it down from, so I never paid a whole pile of money uh, to get dust. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people uh, don't really read everything. You, ha- you have to be an avid reader to keep in uh, to keep in front of this. Yes, and that that ATO payments by credit card thread now has thousands and thousands and thousands of posts, so it can be a little bit hard to keep up. But certainly, if if you're on top of it, then as you say, you shouldn't have had too many issues. Uh, when you, you mentioned that you got a poor exchange rate on the US Amex card, I believe also that the ATO now charges a higher surcharge if you do pay with an international card. Was that an issue for you as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that stopped me doing that. So, but I I managed to run up a lot of. American airline uh, miles, and we've still got those, and I keep them alive by um, just continuing to use my uh, uh, Citibank AA miles cards. Uh, so both my wife and I, uh, my kids have also got tons of uh, AA miles, and uh, uh, yeah, they, they are special because they're worth. An, an American airline mile is worth between two and three times a, a Qantas point. The reason I say that is availability. Uh, when Qantas has got dust, AA, you can get it on American. Yeah, and the carrier charges, I believe, are also non-existent on American Airlines. Oh, very, very, very reasonable. Mm. Uh, I've never been troubled by Singapore Airlines carrier charges. Uh, look, I've flown, we've flown first with... Um, uh, Qantas, I've done Emirates. Um, recently, we came home on AA miles on Qatar when no human would answer the phone. Uh, we got the um, uh, we got the flights, the first class flights. We were the only two in the cabin, uh, so it's an eight person cabin, well, just two of us uh, coming home from Doha to Perth. To me, that was just sensational. The pandemic was raging, and uh, in London, we could not get a human to answer the phone. Yeah, no, American Airlines, it's, it's definitely another program that um, is definitely comes highly recommended if you're able to get one of those US cards. Yes, look, um, the difficulty with that, you really need to have a social security number. And I, my, both my wife and I have got that because we lived in America in 1984. Oh, that, well, that's okay. So I guess you, do, you get to keep it for life, at least, even if it was in 1984. <laughs> yeah, look. Once you've got a social, my social security number says not valid for employment. So (laughs) no one, no one ever checks anything other than what's your social security number. Yeah, it's not supposed to carry it on your body. You're supposed to memorise it and not disclose it to anybody other than a government official. Um, in episode thirty nine of this podcast, I did I did have a guest where we um, talked about US um, getting a credit card in the US. So if you're interested in that, I'd uh, recommend going back and having a listen to that. Now, in total, how many different credit cards do you think you've gone through, like uh, for paying your tax bills over the last uh, well since two thousand and nine? Because I mean, the banks one by one have stopped um, giving you points for tax payments. Mm. Have you had to keep sort of cancelling and applying for new cards? I did have a, an elite uh, Citibank card, and that's history. My wife still gets got hers. Um, Westpac is completely gone for me. Uh, they, that was that was a real winner, um, but they cut out of it. 
Um, so my current situation is um, uh, for all of this, it's been uh, last one standing. Look, Bank West World was a winner. Um, I don't mind going uh, to, to London with a Bank West World card because they give you um, a fair exchange rate and you earn points on the purchase of whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like you're not being ripped blind um, on the foreign extra- on the foreign exchange, and uh, you earn a few points. But what they did was they halved the point earned, so it went from being fabulous to um, uh, ordinary. Yeah, and I think last year that was one of the last ones to stop um, awarding points also for yeah, tax payments. That's right for for government. Yes. Yeah. So uh, so there've been a number of cards that have worked, and uh, they just progressively dropped off the perch. Yeah, you must have a big pair of scissors at home for cutting up old useless cards oh, once they stop. The yeah, I recommend the 3M uh, titanium-bladed scissors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, from recommendation from Cove, the best um, scissors to cut up useless credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, on the 9th of December now, St George is going to, and, and also Bank of Melbourne and Bank SA, which are part of the same... Yeah, they're same, all the same thing, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I propose to put my last transaction through, and that's going to go to family members, not us. Uh, I'll be putting the last gasp through on the 7th of the month. Mm-hmm. You've got to allow 24 hours for the thing to process, and you don't want to get caught out by the 9th being the, the no-go date. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Monday the 7th of December, I view as being the last gasp payment date. Well, there you go. If you have a St George credit card and you want to pay your tax, do it by the seventh. What are you What are you going to do after the ninth of December? Um, once there are no more major Australian banks awarding you know points at the full rate for ATO payments, um, I'm going to I'm going to be looking at those bills, going, why am I paying so much? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, um, I don't need I don't need any more. Po- like I think I've got enough points to last. So I'm 80 years of age, so I'm not worried. Are you worried about any of those points expiring? Only at Chris Flyer because um, um, we're booked to go to the Maldives in April and I'm not sure that the plane's going to um, be running by then. Yeah, and Chris Flyer um, is one of those few remaining frequent flyer programs where they have a hard fixed three-year expiry, so if you don't use the, the yeah, miles within three you years... You can pay to get a six-month extension and it's, you pay 10%. Mm. Of the points, yeah. So, yeah. look, it works, but it's expensive. Yeah, yeah, and only for six uh, but, months. But it's better, it's better than losing the points. That's right. Yeah, and I know, I know certainly a lot of Australians are worried about that, um, particularly those that have got oh. Chris Fly Miles, you know, two, two and a half years old at the moment. Yeah. Well, I, um, with the velocity points, I, I, did a small, um, I did a small transfer to keep, uh, because I've got uh, several million points in velocity. I didn't want them to expire while uh, while we're locked up in. See, we're locked up in Perth. We can't go anywhere mm. uh, without quarantining. Yep. So our situation is our situation is super special and different uh, to others uh, because our our um, government uh, require us to do fourteen days quarantine. So I've done fourteen days quarantine, and look, it's not nice, but it's necessary. Now, just finally. Um 
you know, this is this is really a a great example of the value in frequent flyer programs. The fact that you've been able to earn a hundred million points, you know, albeit from um, having quite large you know business tax payments, but um, you know, it's a lot of a lot of frequent flyer points to earn in the last ten years. Uh, and obviously, you've been able to do a lot of you know very nice very nice trips and other things that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Do you have any sort of final tips for anyone who who might be listening to this? Yes, uh, don't ever start. Um, booking things for your son's girlfriends. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, look, um, we've treated um, our son's partners uh, respectfully. They've travelled best available. Yeah. Um, I've been I've been on board with um, one of my sons with his partner, all in suites, uh, going to uh, London, and uh, uh, that that was quite special. That that was really funny. And I'm sure you got a few brownie points as well. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Well, who knew paying tax could be so rewarding? And even though it may not be quite so rewarding after the 9th of December, there are still opportunities, which I'll talk about shortly. But Cove, thank you so much for joining me on the AFF on Air podcast. Thanks very much, Pat. Well, as I mentioned in the interview, there are still going to be a few ways to earn points for paying your tax uh, by credit card, even after St. George removes this opportunity on the 9th of December. There are still, for example, a select few Australian credit cards that will give you points for credit card payments to the tax office. It's just that it's not quite as lucrative as before because these cards generally won't award points at that high of a rate, or they'll even give you a reduced rate compared to what you'd earn for other types of transactions when you're paying tax. But in recent years, a growing number of business-to-business bill payment services in Australia have responded to the demand from people that want to earn points for payments they have to make anyway, like tax payments. And these services allow you to pay any bill and earn points for the transaction, even if your credit card would not normally issue points for that payment. The catch, of course, is that there are fees involved. These fees vary depending on the service provider and what type of credit card you're using, but the fees are generally higher than what you would pay when paying the ATO directly. The fees still can be quite reasonable in many cases. With YakPay, for example, the payment surcharge for Visa cards is 1.1%, which includes GST. And with Credit Rewards, another provider, you can pay bills with an American Express card for a surcharge of 1.81%, plus a $1 fee per transaction. But now, ultimately, there's a trade-off you can use uh, one of those remaining credit cards that still awards points normally for ATO payments, but you just won't earn as many points as you could have before if you had a really um, high-earning credit card. Alternatively, if you have a high-earning credit card, you can still use a payment service like YakPay, RewardPay, or B2B Pay, to name just a few, and continue to earn points at your preferred credit card's full rate, but you'll have to pay a higher fee for the privilege. So previously, you could pay a low fee to earn a high amount of points, and that's why it's sad that this loophole is coming to an end. But as Cove and many other Australian taxpayers would testify, this loophole has been great for the 11 and a half years that it's lasted. Now, if you would like to learn more about earning points for paying your tax going forward, you may be interested in attending my upcoming Frequent Flyer Solutions webinar. It'll be on the 9th of December, which is Wednesday of next week, uh, and I'll be hosting this one-hour webinar looking in detail at the state of frequent flyer programs and planning for travel in 2021. 
In the webinar, I'll look at how frequent flyer programs have responded to COVID-19, including a detailed look at Qantas's latest offers of a status extension and status match. And I'll be looking in quite some detail about how to continue earning points for tax payments going forward as well, following the loss of that St. George trick. If you'd like more information about this webinar or you'd like to register, just have a look at the episode notes or visit frequentflyer.com.au and click on webinars. That's just about all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, the AFF member Cove, and thank you so much for not only listening, but also your support of this podcast for the last 50 episodes. Can you believe it's been almost two years now since we started this podcast? If you have been enjoying listening, Apple podcast reviews are always very welcome. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Next weekend will be the 14th annual Australian Frequent Flyer Gathering, which this year will be held in Canberra. It's been a bit of a nightmare trying to organise an event with all the COVID-19 restrictions and border restrictions in place, but nonetheless, it looks like now most of the borders, or all the borders in fact, have reopened with the ACT, and this will be going ahead next weekend as planned, and I think it should be a great weekend. The event is open to all AFF members, and if you're coming along to this, I will be giving a presentation as well at the Kingston Hotel next Saturday evening, just before the dinner. And I look forward to seeing some of you hopefully there. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Until then, safe travels.